Hi, welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me, Michael Shore. Michael, how are you? I'm doing great, and thank you for having me. You are so welcome. <laughs> you know, it, it, we we've actually adjusted this thing so now because you're you're such a busy person. Uh, I'll do these like little podcasts, like little podcast juniors with uh, with other people, which is right. so weird for me because they don't thank me. They, <laughs> well, they don't. <laughs> and they're actual guests. I mean, they should thank me. They really should. That's incredibly rude. It's, I, I find it to be incredibly rude that, that they do that. But uh, it's great to uh, catch up. We The last time we talked, the baseball season had not even started yet. And now... We're in like the the heart of it now. It's it, it's beginning to feel like you know we're 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 just about at summertime. I always feel like it's Memorial Day. Yeah. When when it's like okay now this is real. That was the the like the warm up is over and we're and baseball season is actually beginning. So that's what two more weeks or something, and then uh, and then we'll be in the what I consider to be like the the thick of it. The thick of it. Yeah. You know I I actually was noticing it this year. I kind of, I mean, look, I love every aspect of like the baseball season, but I kind of realized this year, for whatever reason, I kind of don't like the early part of a baseball season where like everybody is like, oh, he's hitting 479 and this guy, like, it doesn't feel like I want him to just kind of get into it already. I kind of <laughs> want it to like, for numbers to matter and for, for things to be in focus. And so like, so you're not really just going like, what? what's the deal with the Chicago White Sox? Like, really? They're good now? Wait, you know, so, I, I don't know. It's maybe it's just me, but this was the first year that I kind of thought, yeah, let's, can we can fast forward through some of this and like get to like this part of the year, which I really love. Like the, the, you're right. Memorial day, right around there, June, July, the numbers matter. Uh, teams that are actually good or, are, are, are like moving to the, to the top. I, I love that part. And like the rest of the season is great. See, I've never had the feeling of wanting to fast forward like through any part of a baseball season. I don't think. I've, I'm, I'm happy in every phase. <laughs> like I'm happy at the beginning when like, you know, whoever, whatever scrub, you know, shortstop is leading the league with a 773 um, batting average. And I'm happy like when the when the you know things start to settle and shift and sort of a, start, begin to approximate what you expected to happen. Except there's like three crazy outlier teams that are performing way above their heads, and then you start to wonder whether they can keep it up. I love every part of it. I wouldn't. I I don't want to fast forward. Yeah, I, I, you're right. You're right. But I, I don't know. This was the first year that I felt a little bit like that, uh, and maybe it's just because I want so badly to see how this thing is going to end. Like, cause this year is like, I mean, every year is like that, but this year with, with the Cubs uh, on one end and the Braves on the other end, we just have <laughs> such an opportunity for just this magical once in a lifetime kind of year. And, and uh, just so I'm clear, you're, you're now predicting that the Braves overtake the Cubs. That's what you're predicting. I'm predicting that the Braves overtake like the 19, whatever, 62 Cubs or something. I, I'm thinking <laughs> they have a shot at being the worst team ever. I, I'm saying they have a shot at it. Interesting. Now, what would you rather see? The Cubs being like a historically great team or the Braves being a historically terrible team? <laughs> no, no, it's no question. Obviously, I would rather see the Cubs. But it's a, such a nice bonus to have such a bad baseball team. And I'm, I, that's one part of this thing that I do love is like 
that the fact that that for the longest time there were like 75 players who had more home runs than the Braves as a team yeah. like I like I love that I love I want them to just you know and 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 I say this one day after they actually shut out the Royals so I mean you know they'll probably just that's what I don't want they're going to meander and kind of just end up being like a just a bad team but I don't want that I want them to be historically bad just Well there was that great moment like a, a few days ago where uh, it was something like seven or eight teams had played at the Braves stadium and all it was, let's say it was eight and it was like seven of them had won at least two games there. And one of those teams was not the Braves. Like they were the, they had not yet won their second game at home. And there were like six or seven other teams that had won at least two games in their three game series. I mean, that's insane. It was yeah. like, you know, six teams were three and oh, and then there was one team that was two and one. And that one was the break was the only time the Braves won in their home stadium. In their first like, I don't know, 15 or 18 games. It's really I, I want them to be that bad. That, and it's not even, you know, look, Braves fans don't care at this point. They just want the first pick and and and, you know, they know this year is gone anyway. So if you're going to be bad, be that bad. Like, be historically bad. That, that, I guess, although isn't it demoralizing? Like, I, I feel like if that were my team, you know, it's sort of like the, was it the Tigers team a few years ago? The well, you know. Yeah, it was on pace to, to lose. They lost 119 eventually. Yeah, but and they but coming down to the wire, it was like they were about to set a record, right? right it was like right. the Cleveland the Cleveland Spiders record or whatever it was from eighteen ninety nine. It was it was the Mets record, that's right. So. Yeah, and so um and and like they played really hard in the last week and they were like we don't they didn't want to be that team. And I don't blame them. Like I think if you like for any group of people who has, you know, a competitive fire, I feel like it must be kind of demoralizing and like a bummer for lack of a better word to be on a team. that's historically terrible. Like I don't, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. I, I don't care about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. They don't want to be part of that, but I mean, look, that team is, they're atrocious. I mean, they're just atrocious. And what really kind of bugs me about them. And, and this is not the player's fault and you're right. You know, the, for the players individually, it's no, it's not cool, but for that organization, they they want to be bad this year. I mean, they're tanking. And I and I hate tanking. I just hate it. I I can't get over it with the Astros. Like I uh, that Astros team, although they're obviously struggling this year, that Astros team that everybody loves. Look how they did this. I they had to be historically bad for three years to get here. I hate that. I hate just yeah. put an effort in. That's how I see it. I mean, that's I I think it's bad for the game. Uh, look what Atlanta's doing is terrible for Atlanta. You know, it's terrible for Atlanta baseball, like, future. Why Why would you well, – this is a break in a lot of ways from, from your fans. You're telling your fans, we don't care. You know, we're, we're trying to be good in, in three years, and, and we're willing to be as bad as necessary and so make your experience the worst possible experience uh, so that we can be good down the road. I, and at I some level, that. it's got to be tied into the new stadium that they just sure. shove down people's throats, <laughs> right? It's like they want – they want a good team when that stadium is built and they move in there. Uh, they have to have a competitive product on the field. And the only way to do that is to just like sell off everything now and strip it for parts. Exactly. Exactly. It's a real bummer. It is a bummer. All right. Now I'm depressed. I was happy about this. And <laughs> you've changed my whole mind on this. All right. Our faux argument is a very simple one. Uh, we are, we are going to argue are the Chicago Cubs, 
the baseball version of the NBA's Golden State Warriors. Right. And you begin. Well, they're really good. Let's start there. Right. The team is great. Um, the They basically right now, and, and some of this will change. Some of this is just the result of it only being, you know, 30-some-odd games. They're, they have the best team ERA in the league. They're first in runs in the league. That's a pretty good formula <laughs> for winning a lot of games. Their, their team ERA is 268. Their team whip is 1.06. It's insane. So it's 300-plus innings of Mariano Rivera pitching every <laughs> inning. Their batting average against is the lowest in the league. That'll probably change, but it is. Um, their closer, Rondon, has a 0.31 whip in 13 innings. He's had like four base runners in 13 innings. The whole team is basically striking on a guy in inning. Um, they are stranding runners at a crazy rate, like they're, like at an unsustainable rate. But still, generally speaking, it's an incredibly good pitching staff, starters and relievers. So th- there you go. Then on the offensive side, they're first in runs, they're first in on-base percentage, they're fourth in slugging. There are a couple guys who are clearly hitting over their heads, Fowler's hitting over his head. Some of these guys will regress. But on the other side, Hayward isn't hitting at all. At all. He really is, a, is, a having a, is off to a terrible start. They lost Schwarber and kind of didn't blink because of how deep they are. They're Offensively, they're this good. They are this good offensively. I'm not sure they're as good as they've seemed in the uh, for pitching. But I feel like they are this good for hitting. And the thing to me that makes them Warriors-like is how deep they are. Yeah. It's how deep that team is that they can lose Kyle Schwarber, a postseason hero, a power-hitting left fielder who they were probably counting on to hit 30 home runs this year. And they didn't blink. They, they're doing all this without one of their – a young guy that they assumed would be one of their best offensive stars. They're deep and good and resilient for those reasons. And the main thing is that makes them like the Warriors to me is they have a player, in this case Jake Arrieta, who's at the front of the team. He's at the, the tip of the spear who is doing things that no one else has ever done. <laughs> so like like Steph Curry, Jake Arietta is like a version of an athlete that is just do it's like every time he plays, you have to watch him because you legitimately don't know what's going to happen. And you know, that yesterday was the 23rd consecutive start of his that, that the Cubs have won, I think. 23 or 22. And the 'all-time record is like 25. Right. And it just is one of those things where, like, just like the Warriors know, if Steph Curry's playing in this game, we're going to win. He's going to hit a three with four seconds left to, to, to end the game. And the Cubs now know that it wasn't a fluke. It's not a fluke last year and the, and the year before. Like, Jake Arrieta is this good, and every time he pitches, as long as he's pitching, we'll win. And by the way, the craziest thing, and then I'll turn it over to you, the craziest thing is that, like the Warriors – and Steph Curry, if Jake Arietta like went on the DL for three weeks, bite my tongue. Hope it doesn't happen. But if he went on the DL for three weeks, they'd be fine. Oh, They've yeah. got a bunch of other starting pitchers who were also really good, and they could still win a probably win a playoff series without their best player. Which is you just can't say that. You couldn't say that about many teams. No. So that's to me, that's why they're the Warriors. But you go ahead and you argue the other side. I'm going to argue the other side. I, I think they're they're just like the Warriors. Also, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, there's there are a couple of things. Uh, first of all, all of the things you said were were things I wrote down basically. Um, 
you know, I think that there's there's the the depth. There is the the they're, they're so much fun. There, you know, that's the thing that makes the Warriors so yeah so great is that the Warriors don't win the way you know, like Pat Riley's Knicks used to win. You know, where you would just like, oh, I just oh the 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 basically they've just got to trade in on all of this you know awfulness in order to win, and they're willing to do it. They, they win so joyfully that if you have no rooting interest, you root for them because they're so much fun to watch. And that's the way this Cubs team is. The other thing about them, uh, the, the Cubs and the Warriors, are they're not doing it with almost anybody who was like really, really hyped when they got him. Uh, that's That to me is the great thing about the Warriors. The Warriors didn't end up getting the number one overall pick in the draft and, and, you know, taking LeBron or taking Tim Duncan or taking, you know, somebody who, yeah, that guy's going to change the entire course of, of, of that team. They're doing it with a bunch of guys who, you know, were pretty good. Uh, you know, obviously Steph was this just wonder in college, but a lot of people didn't think that was going to transfer over into the NBA. Clay Thompson, lots of questions about him. Uh, Draymond Green, nobody thought he was a second-round pick, for crying out loud. So you look at that team and you go, wow, they they put it together. Um, you know, it, it, it's almost this pieces just fit. It wasn't, it wasn't, hey, we're, we're going to, we, we got lucky, we tanked, so we got the number one pick and we can build around this incredible superstar. It's kind of the way the Cubs are. I looked at this Cubs team uh, in preparation of this of this violent argument that we're having. <laughs> and Hector Rondon, you mentioned, uh, he was a Rule 5 pick. Jake Arrieta, you mentioned, absolute bust in Baltimore. Traded basically because, yeah, well, might as well take a flyer on that guy. I mean, he, yeah. was, he was an absolute bust. Um, Rizzo, Anthony Rizzo, superstar. San Diego gave up on him. He hit 140 or whatever it was uh, in in a few at bats in San Diego. Boston had already given up on him, already traded him away. Uh, he comes to Chicago and he's like this superstar. Dexter Fowler just showed up one day. They didn't even they didn't, they, they didn't even know he was available. He just like, hey, I'm here. You know, it was like it's like it's like Willie Mays Hayes from Major League or something. Like he just showed up. Uh, you mentioned Schwarber going down. Schwarber is out for the year, who's a just a absolutely delightful player, both because he he hits like eight hundred foot home runs and he's a defensive nightmare. So he's yeah. he's just a delightful player. So they just put Jorge Soler in there, who's like an equally delightful player in so many ways, and he's not hitting at all, and they're still winning. They go ahead and sign uh Hayward, Jason Hayward. Delightful player. He's not hitting at all. They're still winning. Uh, David Ross is basically their catcher at this point. He's like 39. Uh, Montero has been so bad that that Ross is is getting more and more playing time, and he's playing like really well for them. I, there's just this this wonder that comes with him. Jason Hamill is having an unbelievable year. Jason Hamill, nobody wanted him. Yeah. You know, I, I just find that to be – so much fun. Not to say that it isn't fun to watch teams that do it the right way and build, you know, through the draft and do all of these, these, you know, these, these really smart things because they have the opportunity. That's all great too, but there's almost like a little bit of a magical feel for how the Warriors came together to, to build this superhuman team. 
And that Cubs thing feels the same way to me, the way that well, they've built it, you know? Yeah. To be f- fair, um, Rizzo was like a centerpiece of the, of the Adrian Gonzalez deal right, right. in Boston. And Theo Epstein, you know, drafted him, I believe drafted him, and then like traded for him twice. Like Theo was, has always been after that guy. They, did, they didn't get lucky with him, really. No, I don't think they um, got lucky with any of these necessarily. Yeah. I, I just think they were, they were pieces that were brought in in large part because Theo's super-duper smart. Yeah. But also because other people had not really seen the potential. Yes, the and it's another way that they're like the Warriors. It's I remember at some point we talked about the Warriors, uh, and I was talking about how you like they were in in their twenty four game streak at the beginning of the year, whatever it was. There was a moment where they were like, you know, it was they were close to losing for the first time, and then like Ian Clark came off the bench and hit three three pointers in like ninety seconds, and then sat back down. And it was like, I'm sorry, there's a person on this team named Ian Clark. What's happening now? And the, the Cubs are a little bit like that too, where like Tommy LaStella yeah. is getting a lot of playing time at third these days. And he's like tearing the cover off the ball. He's got a thousand OPS. And it's like, I'm sorry, who, which, who is this now? Like they, Javier Baez, who's, who has actually hit pretty well, uh, is, you know, you know his name. You've heard of Javier Baez probably. But Tommy the Stella, I, like I didn't, I literally didn't know there was a, car- a person on the Cubs named Tommy the Stella, and he's you know he's eighteen for fifty three to start the year with two homers and six doubles and and he's killing the ball and and it and so like uh you know that that's to me that's the similar that's maybe the biggest similarity is just that they have they have a seemingly endless wellspring they're weirdly kind of running the Cardinals playbook. You know, like for so long, the Cardinals were the team, have been the team where they would lose Albert Pujols and then somehow they got better the next year. And it, this team is starting to feel like that, the way the organization runs and the, the depth of the, of the minor league system, that when these guys go down or, or when they need to call somebody up, it's like they just magically plug in a new guy who is great. And, and that's such a night and day change from the way the Cubs have always been run. <laughs> yes, and always just been just their just their personality has always been like, yeah, whatever's going to go wrong is going to go wrong. Uh, and by the way, we have to mention uh, podcast mascot Matt Caesar. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, who is hitting whatever. I mean, he's actually I think he's on the DL right now, but he was hitting some he was having like a 600 or six. I believe his I believe his batting average in like it's I think it's twenty one games something like I think it's oh, let me just look at it here we go thirty at bats thirty at bats so obviously a small sample size he's hitting three sixty seven which I believe is Ty Cobb's lifetime average <laughs> so are we saying Matt Caesar pod uh, podcast mascot Matt Caesar is as good as Ty Cobb yes we are that's what we're saying <laughs> he's he's the next Ty Cobb and I I don't see any reason to. I'm, to doubt that he's going to keep it up. Well, I'm going to give. I'm going to. I'm going to. You know, disagree with you just slightly because he's also slugging 600. Uh, that's better than Cobb. I'm just saying, right. it's better than Cobb. Matt Caesar better than Ty Cobb. I think that's fair. I think, I think that's, that's fair. totally fair. I don't see any reason to not insist that that's true. <laughs> <laughs> His name is the. It's the greatest. It's my favorite current baseball name. I think. Right? I, is there I guess a better so. last name than S Z C Z U R? Yeah, it's well. The the name it's itself is amazing, but I will say there are a couple of Yankees names that uh, oh there that, are that I thoroughly enjoy, just thoroughly, just find to be 
just delightful. Should we talk about that very quickly? That the Yankees are are a bunch of made up people <laughs> that don't really exist. <laughs> well, we came up with the idea because we both know, and I think everybody who's listening knows there is no somebody. There's nobody named Jason Shreve. That right. is, that is not happened. As you and I have discussed, that is that is not a person. Yeah, so, Jason Shreve is a is a is a made up name. That there's some kind of you – know, it's got to be some kind of tax dodge. That's what's happening is, is Brian Cashman and company are, are involved in some kind of complicated tax shelter where they're making up players and then giving them paychecks. So those players don't exist, obviously. Obviously. They obviously don't exist. So they're giving paychecks to fake players and then they're like laundering money or something because Chase and Shreve doesn't exist. Jason, Nick Goody does definitely Nick not Goody exist. Nick Goody definitely doesn't exist. By the way, Johnny Barbado <laughs> does not exist. Johnny Barbado is what happened, like a name that someone comes up with when they're when they're like, look, it, we need someone from New York City. <laughs> He's uh, uh, kind of a tough guy, uh, you know, like he a guy from like a, from like a. From the Goodfellas or something. It's like make up a name. Johnny Barbato. Yeah, that's fine. No, no, that's ridiculous. No one will buy it, but that's fine. Johnny Barbato. Like they, they that's an absurd name. It's, there's there's nobody who's named there's nobody named Kirby Yates. Nobody is named Kirby Yates. That's just, that is impossible for anybody to be named Kirby Yates. Now who was there, there was one recently too, someone crazily what who was it? Uh oh no, I'm looking here. I can't remember. There was someone who was literally called up like yesterday that uh that w- was like that well now now you're now you're just insulting me you're insulting my intelligence by thinking that i am gonna believe you <laughs> that this is a real person yeah uh, forget, anyway yeah it's uh you know but i think that's actually a good plan at this point for for the yankees to just sort of be a, a human tax shelter I mean that's really yeah. that's where they are at this point in their. Well, do you want to have a, a, a mini faux argument about because uh, what one of our faux arguments was going to be are do the Yankees actually stink now? Yes, yes. Uh, right. Mini should, faux argument: Do the Yankees actually stink? We should have that argument because I think you and I both know that after that argument is done, Yankees win twenty-seven games in a row. Yes, so let's enjoy it while we can. Let's enjoy it while they can. They stink. They do. They really do. I, I'm I'm a firm believer that they stink. I, I believe that uh, was coming for a long time. They kept avoiding it with sort of their yankiness, you know, which 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 seems to be a a grand power. But you know, even in like the superhero movies, like eventually the power can run out. You know, you just that's it. It's over, and. Uh, they stink. I, I mean, that team can't hit at all. I mean, yeah. even a little bit, which is astonishing if you think about it. I mean, the, the New York Yankees, they still spend $250 million on payroll or whatever the number is. So they, they and they can't hit at all. And then other than Tanaka, that rotation is a disaster. Just yeah. an absolute disaster. Now, they still have that incredible bullpen. I mean, and it's... It's insane how good that bullpen uh, is now and should be uh, as as this thing progresses. But uh, that's not enough. That's not enough. They, they I, I think they legitimately stink. Well, I, I can't make myself say it out loud because I know as soon as I do, I am I'm dooming myself to watching them run away with the AL East. <laughs> but I will say this. Their Starling Castro leads their team in OPS. <laughs> like, 
when Starlin Castro is your best hitter, that there's a problem with the way your lineup is constructed. And they've even gotten decent years from some guys. Like Brian McCann is hitting about as well as I think they could probably hope that he hits. Maybe not quite as much power, but you know, he's he's hitting decently and sure. and you know, Beltran, who's, you know, 37, 38, whatever he is, is actually, you know, he's got seven home runs or something, and he's, like, kind of hitting okay. It, it's just that, like, no one else, everybody else looks cooked. I mean, Brett Gardner looks cooked, and he's, like, you know, he's 32. He's not supposed to be cooked. And A-Rod and Ellsbury are in big trouble, and then there's suddenly you're into, like, the D.D. Gregorius. Teixeira seems like he's completely done. Uh now they do have some young guys like Aaron Hicks, some like young prospecty type people who might, you know, who who are the, who are the next wave. They should be only playing those guys. Right. They should basically be releasing, you know, they've got Chase Headley eating up at bats. Chase Headley's slash line is 192 283 253. <laughs> he has a 536 OPS through 100 at bats. He they should just release him. They like or, or I mean they won't really do that, but He's just taking time away from someone who might actually theoretically help the team, and they're paying him too much money to do it. So, you know, and you're right. It's they like the other day. I think yesterday they ran out. I think for the first time all year they had Batances, Miller, and Chapman all pitch in the same game, which is the way that they drew it up. And those guys faced like Batances got four outs, Miller got three, and and uh, Chapman got three. And of those 10 outs, I think eight were by strikeout. Yeah, and yeah. when you watched it happen, it was like, right, this is what this is what the whole year was supposed to be for them. The problem is they don't have any pitchers who can get them to the sixth <laughs> inning with a lead because they can't hit and their rotation stinks. So, you know, it, it's like it's this it, it might end up being this crazy thing where they have three Ferraris in their garage and they just never get to <laughs> drive them around because they're never winning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and by the way, there's no question that they keep Chase Headley because um, he's of his name, right? I mean, it's just you know, it's, they, they said, well, you know, we Chase Headley. I mean, come on, Chase Imagine. Headley's such a good player, had been a good player, so yeah. it's easy to forget that Chase Headley is is a made up name. Imagine having Chase Headley and Chasen Shreve <laughs> on the same team. Like it seems like a like a word puzzle. It's like, hey man, do you want to chase Headley? No, I'm chasing Shreve. <laughs> you texted me that Chase and Shreve is actually the name of a Fox animated series, which I think it's like where it's it's like a little fox. Yeah, and they're just chasing. There's, yeah, there's a little fox named Shreve, and they're chasing him around. <laughs> there's it's 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 really. I mean, it's in a way, it's it's. Kind of, I'm not going to say it's sad. Of course, I mean that that goes without saying. It's not sad, uh, and Yankees fans have had plenty of of glory, and and I don't feel one bit bad for them. But it's sad that you could have all of the advantages that the New York Yankees have and end up here. I mean that to me is there's something kind of astonishing about that. And look, they might end up because of that bullpen winning more games than they should, and and you know, but this offensively and this rotation is like a 95 loss team. I mean, they're, they're bad in my opinion. So you're saying you're calling it right now and saying the Yankees stink. I'm calling it Yankees stink. And I'm going to, I will be on this podcast in like two months apologizing for saying this again, (laughs) like I did last year. 
Uh, but they do. I, I think they stink. I don't see any possible way that lineup starts hitting. I just don't. I look at that lineup. I think you're right. I think I think you're getting the best you're going to get out of McCann, the best you're going to get out of Castro, and the best you're going to get out of Beltran right now. And they yeah. stink, you know. And look, Brett Gardner might, you know, start hitting a little better. I mean, he is 32, which is not young. You yeah. Know? Ellsbury's not young. It's it's an old lineup, too. I mean, your, your young guys are Starling Castro, who's been in the league for 500 years, and <laughs> Didi Gregorius, who, you know, can't hit. I mean, so I, I just think that that team is uh, – it's kind of a disaster. I mean, I, I, it's Brian Cashman has had a, an incredible run, but – this is Phillies like in the way that they've just allowed the contracts to eat them up. And, yeah. and now they're, I think they're in really, really bad shape. Well, it just goes to show you, right. It's like when Ellsbury left the Red Sox in free agency and he signed a $150 million deal with the Yankees. Like the story was the Yankees beat the Red Sox again. And it's like, you know, not that many years later now, it's only whatever, three years later. And it's like, Oh no, the Red Sox, came out so much better in that deal. <laughs> like, and it, and I just wonder, you know, we're, we're heading into this time when in a couple of years we, we're going to get some true mega deals, the likes of which we've never seen. Well, there'll be the Bryce Harper deal, whatever that is. Mike Trout might sign an extension or, you know, there were rumors he would be traded, but whatever he's, you know, he's 24 Harper's 21. There's, we're going to have these, like these massive free agent deals for guys who were, young and it makes you wonder whether we haven't seen the end of the 29 year old 30 year old free agent mega deal because all of those deals look terrible every one of them yeah i mean the pool holes deal obviously looks so terrible the the david price deal red sox fans are panicking six stars into the <laughs> to a to a seven-year deal uh, and I, you know, whatever that, that all of these, in that case, a lot of them, you know, the, the true value of the deal remains to be seen. We're nowhere close to being able to evaluate the David Price deal, but the Jake, Jacoby Ellsbury deals is ruining the Yankees lineup. I mean, he's, they, he's got to play in the outfield. He has a 700 OPS at best. His, he's always hurt. His skills are declining. His speed is declining, you know, it, and he, they've, he, they're on the hook for four more years. Yeah, I would yeah. just. Do you think? I mean, I just wonder whether the people are going to finally go like, look, for a guy who's who's twenty nine or thirty, we just stop at five years. We just can't pay him for longer than that. Well, I don't think they'll ever do that. I don't think I don't think owners will ever back off because they they keep falling for the same things for you know for oh, fifty years. You know, they've been falling for the same bit. This guy's a name. This guy, uh, you know, just coming off a good year. 31 isn't that old, whatever the case may be. And it just keeps happening over and over again. Um, I, I wonder if people are going to be like certain teams are going to keep getting into the middle of these kinds of contracts and certain teams are going to just stay away. Yeah. The Ellsbury tr deal to me was stunning. Uh, the size and the depth of it, obviously taking a, a player away from the Red Sox for the Yankees meant a lot and all of that. But it was just after the Carl Crawford deal. Yeah. I mean, and they're the same guy. They're the same player, basically. Crawford was a terrific young player based on speed and defense. And and the Red Sox, of all teams, completely fall for it and give him this crazy contract, which is worthless almost the day it's signed. Yeah. Almost the day it's signed. 
And, you know, then and then Ellsberg comes out and you have it's just happened. I mean, it's not like you have to go back to like some 1971, you know, Supreme Court ruling and you have to find a precedent. I mean, it just happened. And the Yankees said, eh, we're going to give him the moon. And, and uh, there was no chance that deal was going to pan out. I can tell you right now. And, and that's not to say he's not going to be good over the next two or three years. He might. But that David Price deal is going to be a disaster. It, it just will. <laughs> Seven-year deal with a pitcher? Like, how is that possibly going to work? It won't. But, you know, maybe what you do is you hope you get all your value up front the first three or four years, and then you you live with it the last couple of years. You just have to. Yeah. I mean, there is like a kind of like real estate market kind of Ponzi scheme thing that's happening, right? Which is as long as the value of the teams and the value of the TV deals keeps going up forever infinitely – then you know, then you eat the the money at the end of the deal, and it's fine because you have more room. The salary cap will have gone up; it's a soft cap anyway. And you know, yeah, so you'll eat the whatever fifty million at the end of the life of the deal. So what? Because the you'll 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 be making more money, and you know, the is that's the that's the real sort of belief in all of the in all of these deals for any. Uh, guaranteed contract sport is you're just everybody's betting that the, the value keeps going up of the of the franchises of the TV deals of the of the licensing deals all that stuff because as long as it does you don't mind paying David Price you know thirty million a year when he's thirty six you don't mind paying Zach Grinke thirty five million a year you don't mind paying these guys because you're like ah oh, by then they'll whatever it'll be fine like, that'll be that'll be not that much money. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not the best bet. But I do wonder this one, though. Here, here's one for you. When will teams start realizing, let's say that teams fully appreciate that uh, we're going to get the, the true value of that player in the first four years of the deal, four or five years of the deal. And then we added on two or three years at the end of the deal that we know we're not going to get value. If we get any value at all, it's a bonus. When will those people, instead of looking at how much those players are getting paid, in those three years, just bench him or or make him a part time player or or even release them and just say, okay, we're gonna we knew that we were paying this part of the contract because to me the Jacoby Ellsbury deal is so bad not because Jacoby Ellsbury is is like a a mediocre player at this point and 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 declining pretty fast. They got to play him. They feel like they've got to play him. They there's not like they can look around and go, ah, oh, we're paying the guy you know twenty plus million a year. We're gonna we're gonna release him. They're not gonna eat that contract. When will teams start going? You know what? We'd be better off to eat that contract. Well, here's your test. It's what what happens to Pablo Sandoval when he comes back, right? Because that is, I mean, he for the first time that I could remember. And I'm sure there've been other cases. I just couldn't remember any of them. That guy who had signed the huge deal and underperformed was was just benched. He was benched. It was like okay, there's a better player, and we're gonna play him instead of you. And then there's a kind of a weird thing where his shoulder hurt and he, now he has to have surgery and he might be out the whole year. And so it's unclear to me whether that was that, – is that a face-saving gesture? Is that like a minor procedure that they decided to just go ahead and do since he wasn't going to play anyway? But you know, he was the worst position player in baseball last year by almost any metric. And then this year he had like four at-bats and in one of them he swung really hard and missed and his belt broke because his giant fat belly broke his belt. <laughs> And they were like, you can't play anymore. <laughs> you have to sit down. And and by the way, the, just by removing 
a bat in the lineup that was the worst position player bat in baseball and replacing him with Travis Shaw. Even if Travis Shaw had been a mediocre player, it would have been a huge improvement. But Travis Shaw is hitting like crazy and it probably won't you know sustain it. But he's hitting 335 or something with power. And suddenly that's the best offense in baseball. And you, I think you're right. It's like at some point you just have to bench these guys. Yeah. You just have to say like we have a we have, need to win games. And if Pablo Sandoval were playing every day, imagine if he weren't hurt or if the injury weren't, you know, whatever it is, they wouldn't be nearly as good. And so you're right. I think it's like, yeah, we're okay. We made a mistake. We paid you $100 million over five years or whatever it is, $95 million. And we're, but you stink. So we're, you're going to come off the bench. I think you kind of have to start doing that. It, I mean, it helps that they had a viable replacement. Um, they got a little bit lucky there, but even a mediocre player would have been a huge improvement. He was literally the worst hitter in all of baseball last year by by any uh, imagine, stretch of the imagination. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think that's the future. Well, I think that's the future, and I think the other part of the future is, and I don't know why teams keep underestimating this, <clears throat> young players are just better than old players. And I don't yeah. mean – I mean – mediocre young players are better than old players. I mean, it, you got a guy in triple A in double A who's 23 uh, at the prime of his, of his physical talent, 24, 25, right in that range. That player will almost certainly be better than a lousy veteran, you know? And, and I mean, look, you can look at the angels. I can tell you right now that there is somebody in the angels organization in the minor leagues who if they brought up right now would be able to at least mirror, if not improve upon what Albert Pujols does just because it's, he's, he's young and, and the the physical skills are still there. And I, I think teams are beginning to maybe come around to this idea that just play the kids, just play them. It's, it's really the, the most depressing part about the Yankees is, and you, you said this and you're right. They do have some young players. Play them. I, I mean, what what difference does it make at this point? Are you still clinging to this notion that you're going to win? I mean, maybe they are because they have to because they're the Yankees. But watching Carlos Beltran, who I love, one of my favorite all-time players, at age 40, you know, just kind of plug around and, you know, hit one every now and again and, and play abysmal outfield or whatever they're even trying to do with him uh, – you're not winning any games doing that. Yeah, I mean the thing that the thing about him is part of, the big part of the problem was because they have a Rod, yeah, who they who has to DH. They had to play Beltran and right, oh. and watching Beltran and right field is very sad. And but it's like that's the deal when you have the all these older guys, you basically are stocking your team with DHs. Beltran should only be a DH. That's right. And Teixeira should probably only be a DH. I mean, although he's actually now probably a better fielder than a hitter. But they've got a bunch of like 36, 37, 40-year-old guys who are who have been good hitters who just can't take the wear and tear every day. So Beltran has been DHing while A-Rod's out. A-Rod's coming back. Yeah. So that means Beltran, if he wants to play, has to go back to right field. So it's it's like a it is a very, very nightmarish scenario for that team that they that it's all of the chickens from the last 10 years are coming home to roost at the same time. And, you know, I, it's wonderful. I'm not complaining. I, I love it. I want it to get worse. I want them and the Braves to switch places, basically, in terms of their win-loss record. But 
it is also you don't want to see Carlos Beltran have to play right field at Yankee Stadium. It's not that fun. No, no, that part of it really bugs me. I mean, and look, I don't. Nobody likes a Rod, so that's not really you know watching him at the end of his career is is whatever. Uh, Teixeira, you know, people have you know some people you know have emotions about him, some don't. Uh, Beltran was a terrific player. I mean, yeah. he was you know, and he was a great fielder. He was a center fielder. He was a Gold Glover. Uh, he was and he was legitimately as a younger player, just an absolutely fantastic fielder. He was he could run. He could he you know he was a thirty thirty guy basically. Uh, he was he was just a terrific all around player, and now he's just a you know he's just a limited DH who can't really hit, and and that's that only you know it's it's sad to watch for anybody, but then you see him at Yankee Stadium and the fans and nobody's happy. I mean, it's just it's a it's a pretty bad place to be. I think. All right, real real quick, and then we'll move to our draft. Uh, Carlos Beltran, Hall of Famer or not? Well, that is really really close. It's really close for me. I. You know, look, I I watched him grow up, so it's not I'm not going to be particularly unbiased about it. Uh, I think that there was a period of time, you know, he first of all, he as a career uh, accumulation, he's he's right there. I mean, he's probably like a pretty close to a 70 war player. That's Hall of Fame caliber. I mean, there are there are many, many players in the Hall of Fame who did not accumulate uh, the the production that he did offensively and defensively. So from a, from a pure career standpoint, I think he's got a very, very good case. Uh, the question is, was he, you know, that's not how people vote. I mean, some do, right. but people vote, was he a hall of fame player? Uh, I think he, he, his best years were in Kansas city when they were terrible. So nobody really saw them except for like me, me and, you know, 1500 of my closest friends in Kansas city. Uh, and we saw an actually extraordinary player. Then he goes to Houston and has that playoff series for for uh, you know the the one of the great playoff series in the history of baseball. And Houston people were like, "Wow, this guy's really good." He goes to the Mets. He has one extraordinary year with the Mets, and then a couple of pretty good years. So I'm not sure people are going to see it that he was in his prime. In my mind, a truly great Hall of Fame type player. I think it's going to be awfully tough for him to get in, um, but I, I think I'm. I think I'll vote for him. I, I just, you know, it's it's still still a little bit unclear. You got to wait for retirement to sort of clear the the waters. But I think he was an all time great player. But I'd be curious for somebody who didn't see him very much as a younger player. What do you think? Well, I mean, I saw him a lot. I I if you look at Baseball Reference, his most similar player is Dwight Evans. Yeah, who should be in the Hall of Fame in my opinion. Who, who, who like has a legit argument as a great defensive right fielder in a very tough right field. And that's sort of like he, he's – Carlos Beltran is the new guy to me that's right on the right on the edge. Yeah. It's like the – you know, those – like it used to be Jim Rice and now it's Carlos Beltran. <laughs> and the people who want to say, no, sorry, not good enough, I'm like, all right, I get it. I hear you. And the people who want to say like, yes, he he, uh, he like doesn't quite have the counting stats, but because of X, Y, and Z, I believe he should be in. I'm like, yep, yeah, sure, okay. Like it's he's he's it's he's going to be one of these guys, right? Who's like who reasonable people disagree and unreasonable people shout a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, well, I agree with that. 100. Look, if somebody tells me they don't see him as all a famer. I get it. I really do. But I will say this: you you mentioned his similar players, similar batters through age 38. So number one is Dave Winfield. 
obviously right. in the Hall of Fame. Number sure. two is Dwight Evans, who I think was a better player, or at least as good a player as Dave Winfield, uh, and I think should be in the Hall of Fame. And frankly, as a Red Sox fan, I don't want to argue with you, but I think he was a better player than Jim Rice. So I, I think he should, yeah. he should have gone in first. Number three is Andre Dawson, who's in the Hall of Fame. So, you know, and then you got Luis Gonzalez, so that's kind of a weird one. Um, Billy Williams in the Hall of Fame, Tony Perez in the Hall of Fame, Al Kaline in the Hall of Fame, Bobby Abreu, who I, I think people are going to have that same similar sort of Carlos Beltran argument about Abreu. I mean, that's yeah. another guy whose career totals added up to something that people didn't really see when he was playing. So, you know, look, I think he's got a case. What I hope he gets is is a fair argument. I don't think Dwight Evans did. I think Dwight Evans came along uh, into the Hall of Fame balloting a little too early before people could really look at his career in a in a big statistical way, and and he just kind of got dismissed. Lou Whitaker, same thing, and and I think that's a shame. I just want him to me if he gets a fair argument the way say Dale Murphy did, and he doesn't get voted in the Hall of Fame. I get it. I mean, it's you know that's. Hall of Fame is an amazing achievement. It's an amazing honor. And, yeah. you know, you're, great, great players miss out, and they should because that line has to be drawn there. Uh, but I hope he gets that argument, and I don't know that he will. Um, I'm just remembering now that we're supposed to do this thing where we put a clock on ourselves. <laughs> and... Well, well I, here's what we're doing. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to end this one, and then we're going to do the draft thing as a totally separate podcast. Love, love that plan. Yeah, Great that's plan. that's our new plan because we we're forty five minutes in. Nobody even made it to the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> Not even getting to the draft. Uh, all right, so we're going to end this here, and then we're going to come back uh, tomorrow or whenever I can actually get this thing produced, and uh, we'll have our draft. So thanks for listening.